Hello, everybody. So thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, this is the first episode of American Entrepreneur. Um, we are launching a new podcast today. It used to be American Business, but I'm here with Brandon Stevens, owner of Build Back America, as we go over you know, what real entrepreneurship is like. So Brandon, uh, introduce yourself and uh, let's roll. Hey guys, how you doing? Brand Stevens here. Um, so yeah, I'm the owner of uh, Build Back America. It's actually called the Build Back America, uh, Build Back America Foundation, but you know, like I, I just like using the actual brand name for it. But um, essentially, it's a nonprofit, but it's a nonprofit that drives both our for-profit businesses under the same mission. So um, we're kind of in the business of helping fight degentrification, which can be a whole snippet in itself, but um, it's uh, just, uh, we'll get into that later. So Chris, I'll let you roll with it. Outstanding. Thanks, brother. So let's talk about entrepreneurship. You know, so you're an entrepreneur. Um, how old are you again? I remember you're pretty young. 25. I'll be 25. 26 February 1st. Oh, nice. Uh, so 25, almost 26. I'm 33. No, I'm 32, almost 33. And, you know, so a bit different, but you're pretty young, you know, as far as entrepreneurship goes and what people think of entrepreneurs. So let's talk a little bit about what entrepreneurship is like, you know, because um, I think nowadays we have an issue with people around the world glorifying it, the romanticize it. It's this amazing thing. Anyone can do it. I, but, I firmly believe anyone can do it. Like, I believe anyone can do it. I just don't believe anyone should want to do it. Like, if, <laughs> if that makes sense. I don't, it's not, it's not fun. And I think that's where a lot of it gets screwed up. Like, well, like, like the perception of it. A lot of people think of it as this one-stop shot, like straight to the moon journey of like super, you know, like stardom and awesomeness. And it's not fun. But in my case, um, ever since I graduated high school, I grew up in a small town, Hensdale, New Hampshire. And I just like, I, 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 I can't explain how I always thought I was different. Right. Like I always, I, I had this like, this like voice in the back of my head. Like I saw things differently. I saw the world differently. I saw situations and people and things I looked at. It's just like, it was very hard to explain, but the only reason I knew I saw things differently was because the, the people I was around and I talked to were, I, I mean, like, I'm not saying this is bad, but they were normal people. And so they all seemed to think and act and respond the same way. And I always questioned certain aspects of that. And it was, it was like, it, I didn't know what was going on. That used to drive me crazy. Um, but when you get through that enough, you start kind of trying to figure out and pursue that. So I really think that entrepreneurship, anyone can do it, but I really believe it's a personality trait, to be honest with you, because it's, it's not easy. It's something that you just kind of like, you feel it's like an addiction. Like for me anyways, I, that's the best way I can describe it. It's an addiction. It's like, I can't, I can't do anything else. If I go get a job, I'll get fired. Like immediately. <laughs> I'll be like I'm not going to be there long. I've, uh, I used to, um, try to go like before I understood my personality, before I understood a bunch of this, I used to try to go work different corporate jobs. And I, it used to be the same cycle for me. I'd go in, I'd, um, get promoted because I'd, I'd basically do everything they told you not to do. First of all, they'd say, don't call, you know, like send in your resume, blah, 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 blah. You know, like everyone else does. I'd completely ignore the resume, go into the building, show up in front of them. And I figured out that, it, you know, HR is lazy and they just want to hire the best po possible outcome as soon as possible. So if you, if you put a winning racehorse in front of a jockey or somebody that's going to bet on that racehorse, they're just going to take the racehorse. 
So I figured out, all right, cool. I get hired all the time these ways, but I'd go in and then I, I, everyone would be like closed mouth. I'd open my mouth. I'd start talking I'd start doing things the way I wanted and it would get me promoted. And I would just start going up through businesses and getting raises and promotions within months. But usually within six to eight months, I'd get bored and I'd, I just self-sabotage. Like I'd get bored, I'd stop performing, I'd quit, I'd walk away, I'd do something that made them want to fire me. <laughs> like, and I was like, why, why was I in this perpetual thing of, okay, awesome. And then all of a sudden, it's like I hit this mode where I'm like, this isn't my, my company. Like this isn't, I'm, I don't want, like look at all the stuff I'm doing for other people. Why? You know, it's like I could take this. So, like I would clash with owners of companies. I'd be like, if this was my business, I would give, build it this way. And if you're an employee, let me tell you that that's not a, that's not good. <laughs> Correct, and that's one of those. Again, it's one of those areas where, as an entrepreneur, you don't really want to listen to other people's advice on some things. You know everyone has mentors, everyone's coaches, but a lot of times it's up to you to decide how you want to run the business. And when it's not, when it's not your business, it can become tricky because you want things to run a certain way. It doesn't happen that way. So a lot of entrepreneurs fail because uh, what's that old adage? Like we've always done it this way. It just doesn't work. You know, sometimes you have better ideas, you have new ideas, you want to be more flexible, but you can't do that unless you're at the helm. So I can, I definitely understand because I've been in that position. I don't know how many times where you work for someone I'm like, you, yeah, I don't think you know what you're doing or you're an awful manager. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And the business isn't growing, isn't running. You have fresh ideas. They don't want to listen to them. And so you just feel stuck. No, and I hate that. To me, it's like um, getting to a point, like one, one of, I want, for, because we're in New Hampshire and stuff is around here, I won't actually name company names, but one of the companies I worked for, um, they were, they were an awesome company. They honestly were, but they're, they, I, within the first year there, I, they had made a new position for me because I did, you know, like I was so valuable to them, but within the first year I hit the tap out mark, which is like there, which means the rest of the time I worked there for the rest of my life, I couldn't possibly make any more money. I couldn't possibly get any higher. I couldn't possibly do it. You know what I mean? There was nowhere else to go. And I hit that in the first year. And so it's like, while well, I was looking at that and I'm like, okay, this is awesome. You know, like I, I, no one technically runs me. I have my own position. I have my own, no one controls me. I do what I want. I get paid good money. I can show up when I want, but there's nowhere else to go. And that was like drowning to me. Like I, like it gave me this huge drowning feeling where it's like, so every day I showed up, it was kind of like, what's the point? And because it wasn't the money, it wasn't like making the money. It was like, there's no way to progress. And that was suffocating to me. And I think that's a feeling a lot of true entrepreneurs and true business owners um, resonate with is because if you get that feeling every time you're working somewhere, then you should not be working for somebody else. But if you don't understand that feeling, there's a good chance you'll probably do well working for somebody else. Absolutely. So that's, again, that's one of those key things I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel. So I think you hit that right on the head. Um, so yeah, so again, you know, we go back to who should be an entrepreneur. And I think, I know you say everyone can do it. I don't actually think that. Um, I think there well, takes, I, mean, if you give, I think like entre the, the true thing about like entrepreneurship and I'm, in the past five years since I was, you know, like a teen and I learned this stuff. I mean, honestly, if like I could hand 
if you just if you're able to change the mindset of people and you get anybody capital they can pull off a win and become an entrepreneur like it's like i'm not like not everybody i agree with you on the point not everybody can hustle from nothing definitely not but if you if but anybody has the ability to change your mindset and if you have if you put enough capital in somebody's hands they can pull off a win and then sustain the win like that that's when i say anybody can be an entrepreneur that's what i'm talking about <laughs> I, I agree with you to the extent that, you know, yes, if they have unlimited amount of money, I could make unlimited <laughs> amount of money, you know? So removing the, removing the free market from that equation. Yes. Everyone could be an entrepreneur and, but, but that's also the risk part of it. You know, there's no, no. risk. You have money. Um, so, I mean, I get that, whatever. So I think, I think we actually kind of almost agree there. <laughs> no, I do that a lot. I agree with you around about why. No, I understand. Some people aren't cut. Some people aren't cut out for um, the hardships though. Um, that's, I really believe that because they'll quit at the first sign or something takes too long or we're honestly like, and, and we can talk about this because this is my age. I'm 25. Uh, my entire generation involves around the instant gratification generation. And that's a freaking killer in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And because I think, I think even in the definition of entrepreneurship, it's about accepting risk. It's the person who takes on the risk in exchange for hopefully greater rewards down the road. That's entrepreneurship. And a lot of people can't do that. It's, it's risky running a business. It's risky. You know, I spent, I spent five, six years just trying to figure myself out and building different things and not, I'm not afraid to put fuel on the fire on random stuff. To get to a point where in 2020, I fit. I met like two people that I had built relationships with two, two or so people that changed everything for me. Like, and it wasn't like a lot of people don't understand that. It's like, all right, cool. You didn't build anything. Yeah, we made money. I've made money for five years. I've made enough to stay self-employed. I've made enough to sustain myself. I've made enough in each venture to like, you know, build stuff and then burn it down and switch to something else. But it was, you know, it's like people don't understand. Like I wasn't trying to build one thing to the moon right then. I was trying to figure myself out and I was trying to figure out what I wanted um, because I knew I was young. But the point is like, I stuck with it for five to six years. And then one year, two people, and I met thousands, thousands of people. And one year, two people absolutely changed my life. And people don't realize that. It's like, like that's part of the game. It's like fucking, you go for, you go to a point where you, it, it's, it's a connection game and a networking game. It's like the instant gratification. I had, you don't know who you're going to meet the first year. You don't know who you're going to meet the second year. You don't know who you're going to meet the first day, but somebody can start and befriend the right person um, within their first week. And within the next month, they'll have a super successful business because that person helped build them and their company and their relationship um, in some way, shape or form, or they can go for 10 years and then meet somebody that completely changes their life. I, I really believe that everything you ever want is in somebody else's hands. You just have to go meet them. That's pretty good. I like that. It's a very interesting outlook on it, I want to say. Because um, yeah, like... When I was younger, someone told me it was one of the better pieces of advice I've ever got in my life. Um, they said, you know, you're just, uh, you are a culmination of everyone you've ever been in the room with. <laughs> yep. So we learn things from different people. We incorporate them. We become better. We become more or worse, depending on who you're hanging out with. And there you go. You become who you want to be. So those pieces from, you know, meeting the right people can absolutely change your life. 
I'll do, I'll even go into this because I want your audience to hear this too. And a lot, anybody I want to hear this actually. Um, so the beginning of starting anything is figuring out your personality type. I mean, like I had a personality type when I was employed, I used to like, I used to start, do really well, build it all the way up and then burn it down. Right. That transferred over into my first couple ventures. That uh, it's surprise, right? Like how, like, like you think, surprise, you still repeat the same patterns if you don't change your mindset. So that's starting the first couple of ventures. But the reason was I didn't, you know, like I, I didn't realize I was still on the journey to figure myself out. Now people, there are different types of business owners and hustlers and entrepreneurs. There's not just, you're just an entrepreneur or not. There are different types of different personality traits. Mine, after five years of doing this and figuring this out, I am a visionary role. And I know everybody talks about visionaries and all that stuff. So I get like awkward saying that. But if you go on like the, the disc personality profiles and you go through all that stuff, like 16 personalities, I am the visionary role. That means that I cannot be an integrator. And not being an integrator means I have to think above. I have to always be commanding the ship without maintaining it if that makes sense. So I have the idea, I have the vision, the process, I need to manage it. I need other people to do the work for it. I need other people to be in the trenches. I need other people. And a lot of people say, well, you don't get that unless you start. True. But my personality trait, understanding myself allowed me to figure out I needed to create leverage as quick as possible. That single thing led me to asking questions of people I met until I met Jordan, one of my friends who I, we worked with and another person I worked with, which essentially led to me starting um, Build Back America, which was a nonprofit with a mission centered around both my for-profit companies. But we did it and we figured out in a strategic way that you can start a nonprofit, wrap it around a for-profit business and get over six figures a year in free advertising. That's leverage. Right. So now I got people coming to me for business. Now I'm going to have people coming to me for business instead of me going out and hustling. Right. I would have never got there if I didn't understand my personality trait. We have same thing with building business credit. We realized with LLCs that you can build business credit for any LLC and get $50,000 a year. I mean, up to 50,000 plus in like the first year for any LLC you own. That's starting out with the leverage. You can hire with that. You can build a team with that. You can do stuff with that. So now everything I've focused on, like, Instead of going in, I'll give you another example. Um, credit, credit Glue, one of our two for-profit companies, Credit Glue. Um, most people, they start a credit repair company. They go in and they're like, oh, I need this customer. I need this customer. I need this customer. I'm not going straight B to C. I'm going to the realtor. I'm going to the mortgage guy. I'm going to the dealership. I'm going to like everybody who serves customers so they can bring me customers. And our fulfillment is outsourced to somebody who's built, owned, and operated two multi-million dollar companies. I'm not the integrator, right? So mm -hmm. now I know everything I build that needs to be sustainable needs to have massive leverage, right? Like I'm just yeah. not the type, if, I, if it's up to me to build it and grind through it, I'll burn it down. <laughs> I like that. Because um, you said that's an issue a lot of people run into, self-sabotage. Um, it kind of, I think it kind of falls in hand with imposter syndrome when you start believing that I'm not the one that's supposed to be doing this or I can't do this. And it kind of starts that cycle of 
destroy everything you made because you don't think it's good enough. You want to start I, over. I, all that. My very first marketing agency, we got to a really good point. I was like so happy too. I was much younger than this. Um, we were we were just hit. I remember it took me within a couple of months. We're doing two grand a month. Then a couple months after that, we had hit like five to eight on average. And then a couple months after that. Um, I had a team that like, I literally could go on vacation. Like I went down to Florida, like, you know what I mean? When you, <laughs> when you start a business and you suddenly have a team. So you're like vacation, I dip. Like, so I had a guy who was doing sales and that type of stuff and he was really good. So, um, he told me to take care of it. I can go to Florida for a week, you know, like actually take a break for once in my life. And I was like, okay, you know, so I went down and he was doing good. And it was like this amazing feeling to have somebody else close business and do bit while you're you know, traveling. But, um, so within that week or stuff, we actually pulled it up to like, I think it was like $12,000 a month in reoccurring. Cause when you're a marketing agency, you're closing reoccurring, uh, retainers. And then when I got back, we were teetering between 12 and 15. So it was a really healthy income. Uh, obviously we were, I was only making like $5,000 a month profit from that, but it's still good. I mean, it's like a young kid and stuff like that. But I literally got back from that vacation. And I had, when I sat down on my desk, I had so many emails and so many things I had to do that my team still couldn't do that I, that was the very first time I hit a, like a burn it point in a business. So when I opened my, my, my laptop, I had emails, I had customers, I had clients, I had, you know, like my, my pipe drive was full of opportunities of people trying to talk to me and schedule and all this type of stuff. And the first time in my life, I hit this overwhelm point in my brain that I was like, I just soon take this thing, go outside in the woods, smash it against the tree and shut it all down. And it's like a lot of people don't understand that the only reason I got there was I didn't know my personality type. And that was because I, I was still, even though I built a team, I didn't have leverage. Everything at the end of this day still came back to needing me to finish it off, right? And so I think we all, I think like the number one thing you can do in starting a business or even thinking about being an entrepreneur is figuring out your personality type. And that's why you're going to see me keep coming back to that is because yeah. I had a, like, and we talked about this a little bit, like ADHD is a big thing with me. Um, I didn't know I had that until a couple, till about a year ago, uh, even into this year, I questioned it until I finally got it confirmed. And they say entrepreneurs, you know, like the most successful people typically have ADHD, but it screws with you, man. Like, it's like, if you don't know, you got it, you have, things that go on in your mind that you can mis you can misconstrue for, you know, like, Oh, this is how I'm feeling because the business isn't successful. This is how I'm feeling because of this. This is how I'm feeling. like, you, you put it on other things that aren't those reasons, if that makes sense, like, because you don't know what's going on. So, but the minute I figured out my personality trait and the minute I figured out I had ADHD, guess what that gave me the power to control it and solve it. So then I could figure out how to grow. Yeah. So we keep circling on a couple of things. I was going to ask you, um, you mentioned the first couple of companies you had that you kind of burnt down and failed on. Do you want to go over kind of uh, like a couple of the first attempts and how, how badly <laughs> some of them ended? Cause oh, I'm absolutely. using, I'm using this, this as an intro to you and me at the same time, since it's the first podcast. And I can tell you, like I got out of the military. So I, my first 
jump into entrepreneurship. I was in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just bought my first apartment complex. Uh, I should say apartment complex, quadplex down in North Carolina. And I was burnt out. Like I'd only had it for like a year. And I was like, oh man, I made a huge mistake with this. <clears throat> I eventually sold out of all of that. Um, and now I'm in more commercial spaces, which I have the, the co-work here. But so I got out of Afghanistan, went into like two or three businesses that just lined up and failed, failed, failed. <laughs> And oh, yeah. every like time, that. yeah, so every time I would touch on something, you know, it would just go down and, you know, that takes a pretty big shot to your, you know, pride after a while, but you know, you learn, you're yeah, getting better. And everyone else watching. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that was my issue is people like relationships. I, I would burn because of that. I would burn through relationships with people who believed in me or, you know, stuff like that, like girlfriends, family, friends, you know, even people like business relationships, like they'd see me because I wasn't afraid to throw stuff at the wall to see if it stuck. And then if it didn't, it would burn it down. Or, you know, like at that point, like you're talking about, you don't really know what you're doing the first couple of times. So you have, you have to be willing to make those sacrifices and you have to be willing to fail if you ever want to get out the other side. Absolutely. So it's kind of funny you bring that up because my, uh, my wife has been there. I've been married for almost 11 years this year. And so she's been there from the before, after, and during all of this uh, entrepreneur, you know, part of my life. And that's probably the hardest part is, you know, we've been together for so long. She's seen all of the failures. So every yep. time I'm like, oh, I have this great idea. We're going to move forward with it. Fail. <laughs> yep. So you have all of those things stacked up. Every and now you, it's, you have a great idea. Now she's like, mm. <laughs> can't you just have stick with one thing? And I'm like, I don't think you know how it works. Like, that's not how I do stuff. Like it's, it's crazy. And we got to keep going. And you know, if if that case, if that was the case, we'd be locked down and get the drowning feeling again. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Um, So, yeah. So I know how that feels. So let's talk a little bit about you and some of your failures, the funny ones, the not so funny ones. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I see like the marketing agency we're talking about. Um, I, we ran it, ran it. It was, it was really good. I enjoyed marketing for a while, but I was, it was interesting how I got into it. So we got into marketing because at one point I was working for a roofing company and my, one of my friends actually introduced me to the roofing company and cause he was, he was a startup and he needed he needed a website. He needed to put himself on, like he needed to put himself on the actual map so we could actually go up against his competitors. Like people could find him, people didn't know how to talk to him. You know, I mean, he didn't exist online. And he also didn't know like how to do any of it himself. So we needed to hire somebody to do it. Um, but he didn't want to hire a web agency around. I needed money. So I met him and ended up uh, working for the roofing company. I was like part-time labor, part-time tech guy, like used to do all that type of stuff. Um, well, if you know anything about roofing companies, it's like, it's, it's like running crack, like you're running trucks, like you make roofing companies make cash really fast, right? So if you're making significant amount of money really fast, if you're a good business owner, you want to deploy it in different places that could possibly make you more money. And so after I built them a website and stuff, they started getting more calls. And after, you know, like after I built them a website, did a little bit of SEO, put them on, um, my boss at the time came back to me. He's like, hey, he's like, um, 
you know, like you want to try some other stuff. Yeah. I see what these guys are doing. You see what these guys are doing. So I just started again, slinging stuff at the wall, see what stuck. And you know, he gave me, you know, like money to play with in Google PPC and Google, you know, like Google ads and Facebook ads. And we started a podcast at one point and different stuff. But the crazy part happened is when um, I started running advertising for him and this crazy thing happened where he started getting calls like out of state calls from really wealthy people who owned other like other like buildings within his area. And they all needed roofs and different home improvement activities. And it was like an untapped market for him. And he, he had no idea how to reach these people before because all they had would be like housekeepers and stuff stay up, but they were never around. He was building stuff for referral network. Um, I just, I just had figured it out in a way to do it. And he started getting calls and they did not care about price. They weren't shopping. They, the ads I wrote made them trust him. And they were like, yeah, let's just do it. I need you. And he would pick up regular work from it and it would be like top dollar jobs. And so we ended up like injecting because of my marketing, like a ton of revenue into his company, like over like, and he started growing, he started hiring people. Um, I helped with a couple things, you know, like bringing on, I actually brought on one of the, co I helped hire one of the co-owners at one point. That was interesting, but um, the marketing really helped him take off. And he, we got to a point where I, like I have, bad i have rain odds in my hands so i have like very bad circulation and stuff so we were coming up on winter and it gets more difficult and so um we got to a point where i was thinking to myself i'm like it, it, it was hurting between my rain odds and scoliosis and stuff like i was not doing well i was in pain and i was like doing the trade side of it at, you know like the labor the shingles the roofing all that type of stuff so eventually him and I were really good friends. So he told me, he's like, Hey kid, he's like, you know what? He's like, talk to Like we talked one day and he said, you could do this for other people. And I was like, all right. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you, you could do this for other businesses. He's like, not just me. He's like, this is a valuable school. He's like, I don't want to lose you. But he's like, at the same time, he's like, I think you would be um, amazing doing this for other people. And two weeks after that, I quit. And two weeks after that, he became my first client. And so it was really, it was a really interesting transition, but that pushed me to do marketing and within marketing um, that what the, the failure about this is in that time, I didn't know that everybody and their brother took a Ty Lopez course. Like I, I didn't, I, like I had learned yeah. <laughs> by myself, right? I had learned on my own, I had I was in the trenches. I'd actually learned to done this by doing this, by being in a position that did this and testing it with money. I didn't know I was going up against everybody, you know, like everybody who spent like 47 bucks on, you know, like online, right? And they called themselves really a marketing agency. So it was, I was kind of like um, dull to it. Like I was not, like I didn't understand what was going on until, so we did well, we started picking up clients. And we got to the point I talked about previously, but I hit this point where every single time I talked to somebody, they thought I was scamming them. They thought I was like trying to be like, ah, you know, they thought I was trying to take one over on them. And, you know, like I even got a couple like super nasty clients that like stuff didn't happen. Like if you know anything about marketing, you know that um, to really improve and dial in campaigns, it usually takes up like 60, 90 days, right? Like yeah. anybody with a brain understands that because it's like marketing is an overnight thing. And it, it, I, I had very good 
money. And because of that, I had money back policies. Like I wasn't trying to scam anybody. We had done it a specific way. I knew what was available, but we had people that agreed. And then within days, like they were approached by other agencies that, you know, yap, 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 different, like stupid things that weren't even real, made them doubt me. And then they would come back and I, you know, I'd get nasty calls and stuff like that. And I just got to, and that's, that's kind of like when the overwhelm started taking, I was like, what is going on here? And I really stopped enjoying it. And that's when the self-sabotage hit in and I hit the point where I burned it down. Um, but before that we were doing, like, I did an event up in Wilmington, Vermont. I taught like 20 something small business owners, marketing and Facebook and put them on it. And none of them were ever online. And that was like the coolest thing ever was because I saw the great, the appreciation in their face of showing them this other world of digital marketing that they never knew possible. Um, so I had a love for it, but I didn't love the whole questioning and fakeness. And you know what I mean? Like, like getting assaulted for something that. I thought I was doing good by people. And so that hits me the self-sabotage button in my brain and burnt that down. And so after that, um, did coaching for a bit, just consulted people on it, wasn't actually fully doing stuff myself. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna start a coaching company. Um, little did I know, I didn't really enjoy that either. <laughs> so, so I was like, you know, I don't, I have such a strange personality type. Like, I was like, okay, I love people and I love teaching, but it was just like yeah, coaching on marketing, what, you know, like it, it was interesting, but it wasn't something I, that was sustainable for me. Um, after that, we started, I went back to that roofing company and we started a company called Notice Room. And I, I, I just recently bought the domain for this again because we have a different way of doing it. But yeah, so he had a lot of space. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to use my marketing skills for my own business then, right? So I went in and we started Notice Room. And Notice Room was a company, it was a storage, a private storage and moving like and like a moving company so it's like it wasn't just a place for people to come and store stuff like we would pick it up from you and bring it back and store it ourselves right you know it's like yeah and then they come back and like we had security cameras and it was on my uh I was on the roofing companies that they had a private lot. So we had a lot of room down there and we squared everything off and we figured out we could charge like between a hundred and something a month for specific things and set up the nest security cameras and all that type of stuff. Little did I realize that um, <laughs> doing that, it was actually, it's funny. We got a lot of like attention right off the bat because of it. But when you're asking for that type of money and you're also using the trucks to move the, move the, the stuff when you're like, okay, cool. Pay us a hundred a month or 200 a month. And now you have trucks and labor going out to get this stuff. Where are you making money? <laughs> how are, how are you paying those people up front? <laughs> how are you, how are you paying the people who are helping you? <laughs> yeah. People want to get money. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> So it was like never enough to actually cover the upfront costs. And yeah, the company was making money monthly on the back end. But I mean, it was like, you no, know, you would have to start off with like 20, 30, 40 customers to be able to pay like two people to go do this in the first place for, you know what I mean? It's like you, you would have to have, so my, you know, like uh, my old buddy got kind of like, he just kind of transitioned out of it. And he was like, Hey, he's like, you, can you, uh, can you, can you just shut this down? And I was like, yeah, you know, like, I was like, you know what? It wasn't a hard thing. I was like, screw it. Um, shut it down. Um, we have a 
I recently went back and bought the domain for it though, because I have a whole new way of operating it. And obviously it's not going to be the truck in storage, but we got it because I, I figured out a way to turn it to actually possibly purchase a storage unit company up here and turn it into the notice room brand and do something that way. Um, but that's a different story. So marketing agency failed, coaching uh, company failed, um, notice room failed. And then my last failure, <laughs> well, there's one more, don't worry, there's one more. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I was like, all right, I love people. Um, what, let's, let's dive deep into what, what I learned growing up. Like, what was I obsessed with growing up? Oh, cool, it was fitness, right? It was, it was fitness, obviously. Yeah, fitness. yeah, that's my calling. I should be a fitness coach. I should help people build muscle and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, cool. So we went in and I um, started trying to be the fitness guy for a bit. Um, because I don't get me wrong. I'm obsessed with health. I love it. It really, I used to be an overweight kid. Um, I lost weight myself. I learned to, uh, you know, fight and defend myself in high school. Weight saved my life, you know, like, but I thought it was my calling because of that. I, it turns out it's just an interest of mine that I, you know, like become fanatic with for myself, right? It's not something I should go out and build a business around, but I didn't know any better. So I started trying to pick up, you know, like fitness clients and stuff. And that didn't happen. Like, like I spent months doing that and then it happened. So I just kind of like got to the, you know, frustrated the point, um, shut that down. And after that was when I met the first person that kind of like got me into, uh, you know, like real estate, you know, like and getting, um, open my mind to that because originally one of my marketing clients was a company called the kingdom real estate, which I was very close to them. And I met a gentleman in there who, you know, like started kind of like taking me under the real estate wing and teaching me stuff about that. And I was like, there's something to this. I just never thought I could do it. Like there, there, but there, I, I had such a high spark and interest to that. And, um, from that point on, I just like at the at right before 2020 hit, we ended up like the stuff, you know, about the credit and all that. I started like, okay, I need to fix my credit, yada, yada, yada. I need to get my stuff back. If I'm going to get in real estate, I need actual capital. And that's how we figured out the credit and the business credit. And I actually enjoyed credit. Like I enjoyed like, because it's something everybody needs and it's a, it's a, it's a business that survives in the recession. And so I was like, all right, cool. I could, I could start a credit company. I like this, you know? And so that, it's kind of like where we are now, like all those failures transition into credit glue launching with partners around, you know, like the United States, like realtors, dealerships, all that type of stuff. And my company, Weary, which is my real estate investment company, um, which we have full leverage because instead of going out and hunting for stuff myself, I'm doing what I'm good at, which is we're using leveraged marketing dollars and we're going to be using uh, like ground teams and bird dog teams to go find and do that stuff for me. Right, like so, both my companies, I have ultimate leverage in. I'm not the integrator. I'm not sitting there going in and uh, how do I put it? I'm not sitting there going in and trying to hustle and do everything myself. My only job is to train other people, and that's what I absolutely love. Remember when I said I like coaching? Yep. I didn't like coaching other people. I like coaching people within my own organizations so they could build my stuff. Right. And so that's, that's where it all clicked. I was like, cool, I'm a debater. I love to talk. I love to be the face of stuff. I love to build things, but I like it when other people do the work. Yeah, it's a good, like I said, it's a good approach. And when you realize where your talents are, you know, like I said, it clicks. It's a really important part of the process of, you know, you fail, you fail, you fail. 
good. And a lot of people think failing, especially like in businesses where you can still be good at something and then give it up. You know, you can, if I wasn't, if, if I wasn't, um, business inclined, like entrepreneur, like wanting to do stuff myself and build my own thing, I'd be either a hell of a lawyer or a hell of like a, like a, um, like right below the CEO of somebody like that manages all the stuff, like, because that's my personality trait. Like I'm very good at seeing the bigger picture and putting teams and stuff together and finding those connections and managing those connections. Very good at that. The only thing why I can't do that is because I have that inclined entrepreneur personality trait. So I don't want to build stuff for other people. Um, the only thing that I want to build for other people is build back America, our nonprofit foundation that we started because I became, and this goes back to figuring yourself out. Um, we, we like, I like credit because it actually helps people. Like it's something that people need been through that stuff myself. Um, when I started my first business after I left the roofing company, uh, the deal with the credit thing was I voluntarily gave up both my cars, right? But volunteer gave up called the company so they wouldn't get screwed over because I put other people first, um, gave up both my cars, made money on both my cars, made money. Like they sold them at auction. Everybody made money. Like, you know, destroyed my credit because they still put it as a repo. Everyone won, but they still put it as a repo. Tanked my credit. I didn't understand that. I grew up in a cash family. So I'm like, you know, like I don't need credit. And then I started, and then we got to a point where I tried to rent an apartment from somebody and I had cash in the bank. So I went and I was like, Hey, look, um, I got, I mean, I got like $15,000. We can put it in escrow. You can take out what you want each month. Um, <laughs> I just need the place. So, uh, I'm like, be cool. Where do I sign? And they're like, no, no, no. We want to see your credit. I'm like, what do you mean you want to see my credit? Like, <laughs> I just told you I have cash, like for the entire year up front for the entire thing of the lease. Let's put it in it. You know, like, and they're like, no, we want to see your credit. So I love to see my credit and they denied me. And I was like, okay, why I have cash. And I went back and talked to them and they ended up telling me that, uh, you know, like they just trust their tenants and they make decisions based off your credit score because that's how they believe and trust people and believe they're responsible. And I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> I just got to that point where I was like, okay, now I need to go back and fix this and move up. So the credit thing is something that everybody needs to be, you know, like it's a financial thing that I'm heavily like dedicated to. Um, and in that, you know, like that in real estate, because Build Back America, um, the entire the entire thing of our, our nonprofit is to fight degentrification, which is, I don't know if, do you know much about a gentrification and degentrification? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I'll let you go into a little bit though. So gentrification is, are you going, like you have a town, let's say like, like mine, Hensdale, and um, it's bringing other people into an economy, like the affluent type personality class, like, like the, flu, the affluent type class, wealthier people with money, with higher mindsets and taking them, injecting them into the economy. And thus the economy grows because of that, right? Well, I figured out, especially from growing up in this area and understanding like seeing this happen over and over and over again. So literally seeing the towns I was at and like the locations around me, like Radebro and different areas get worse over the years. And I couldn't understand it. Um, just like there's gentrification, there's also something called degentrification. And that's what happens when abandoned houses, vacant houses, um, you know, like crappy places. It, it, it's like over a long period of time, you can take an economy, but take an economy by strategically placing things in that economy that attract 
a lower class type of person because at the same time that you attract those type of people, you're pushing the affluent out, right? And so it comes this economic cycle happens. And so I'll give you an example. Um, let's say you have a road um, and you get one abandoned house on it that's vacant, torn down, looks kind of crappy. Now, over time, what would happen is nobody really wants to live next to that house. So people can't sell houses next to that house or people, you know, like, or you get what I mean, like it affects the properties around it. And on top of that, the homeless people or the drug addicts or, you know, like just sketchy people are like, okay, cool. Now we got a place to hang out at, right? The abandoned house, the vacant house. And now they start filtering into a certain area and less people want to be in that area. And anybody who's affluent don't want to raise their kids, you know, and stuff in that area. So over time that like, I'm talking like five, 10, 20 years, like it starts expanding, like more houses end up vacant because people are moving out more, you know, most houses become dilapidated. Um, the area starts getting filled with a worse class of people that don't work, live off of like welfare, you know, like all that type of stuff. And then it starts pushing the people out and it starts pushing the, res the regular residents out. And if you're living off of welfare and you don't work, um, how's the job economy going to react in that area? Jobs, you know, like the local businesses aren't going to be able to sustain themselves because people don't have money to buy and they don't have employees to work. So they start looking elsewhere, right? And over this period of 10, 20, 30 years, an entire economic cycle happens and it tanks an economy. And usually what most people don't know is big businesses can start this with a snap in any area they want because they can go in and they can buy up places like, how, like strategic commercial properties or houses or different areas and do nothing. They'll even destroy them themselves. They'll even like make them look crappy themselves to start this cycle. Because when that current economic position collapses, they get to buy real estate and stuff super cheap and then build it back themselves and cash out at the peak. Yeah. Welcome to New York city. <laughs> <laughs> so we figured, but it happens everywhere and people don't realize it, it happens literally everywhere and it happens behind or, you know, under our noses and people don't understand that. But, I don't want to, like when I say fight degentrification, I don't just want to go in and bring the affluent in. I want to create the affluent. I want, I want to help regular people understand this and understand, you know, develop their mindset, understand financial awareness, understand real estate and what's possible. And right now, because of COVID and all this stuff, you see the reports, 30 million people. 30 million are nearing default on their mortgages. You don't think degentrification is going to start happening everywhere? Like, I mean, yeah, that's what happened in, was it 2008? Um, so 2008, the market crashes. I mm -hmm. was in, I, I was still in getting out of high school. It was two years out of high school. And, so, uh, yeah, watching, watching this happen in my current economy and my local economy and just watching this take place as I grew up and seeing good people leave and like bad people coming. I mean, like when I, when I was born, like people weren't shooting each other on my street. Now they are. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, but the reason it happens is we, we were able to figure out that cycle and we were able to go back and talk to like um, the governor of Vermont and different people because I had connections that I got me into a event and I had high level conversations and I figured this stuff out and I became super passionate about it. And so I really believe that if you can under, if you can not, if you can take a mix and you can put the right tools in the right people's hands and you can help level up people, you can stop this nonsense from happening and re rebuild communities.
literally just rebuild communities through that process of fighting degentrification. That one thing, stopping that one thing can entirely change a community. And that's why we started our nonprofit and positioned both our for-profit businesses behind it. That's awesome. So that's a good leaving off point. Uh, so before we get going, let's talk a little about, if you had to talk to someone brand new looking to become an entrepreneur, what's the best piece of advice you got for them? Brand new, like they don't like they haven't. Um, yep, they're just starting. Brand new, they're like, hey, I kind of want to start a business. Oh, they don't want to work for the man anymore. Yeah, whatever. Figure out yourself. I've if I didn't, I wouldn't be here if I didn't if if I didn't spend all that time trying to figure out my personality trait and figuring out what age you know that I had ADHD, what it was, how it affected me, how to get around it, how to leverage it, how to use, how to turn something so bad into a superpower, I would not be on the trajectory I am right now. And a lot of people are like, okay, cool. He's done a bunch of different things for five years, had some awesome moments. Like I spent like one point I went down and I was dining with the mayor of Newark who offered us a grant for stuff. And you know, like that crazy stuff when I was a kid and people don't, you know, like, and people are like, okay, he's had some wins, he's had some losses, um, but he hasn't built anything significant. I'm 25, Chris. Imagine what I can do now that I know all this stuff by the time I hit 30 and we're on the trajectory we're on, it's going to be significant. So, but I would have never got there I'd still be fumbling if I didn't understand my personality trait. I, I, if I didn't understand ADHD or who I was or what made me or why I operated the way I did, I would still be fumbling and probably end up back trying to work a day job. I mean, that's been this entire journey was figuring myself out first before anything ever stuck. So at my number one piece of advice to anybody, anybody at all who thinks they want to get into something or build something themselves is look like personal development, start understanding yourself, figure out your personality, figure out if you have any, and like, and I say this lightly, but figure out if you have anything holding you back, like mental, like mental health, or like different things or genes or different personality traits or different stuff like that. And figure out how to turn those things as leverage for yourself and into a superpower, not something that hinder that hinders you, because that's going to be the only way that you can get to the point where you can actually move forward and progress towards your goals with what you want. I like it. I agree. And I just want to make one more point before we take off what you said about, you know, you haven't built anything yet. You haven't done anything yet. You're on a good trajectory. Not everyone's Elon Musk. You know, that's the point. Not Elon Musk, not everyone's Jeff Bezos. You know, we're all starting, we're all running the gambit. Even people who are multimillionaires haven't gotten to where they're going to be or haven't failed hard enough yet. Right. Um, Cause there are multi-billionaires who, have nothing now. You can do something wrong, end up in prison. You know, you can have those collapses. So, you know, who are we to judge other people's entrepreneurs, other people's ventures? You get to that point. I mean, it's like, I'm just happy enough. We got to that point that now we can start almost any business with over six figures a year in free marketing. I mean, that's leverage added. Like that, that significantly destroys your failure. Like, you know what I mean? Like that significantly lowers your chance of failing at anything like having capital like that. And so spending all this time to just understand a few couple things like that and business credit and credit and be able to leverage those things, like it was worth it to me because now we can build stuff that lasts 5, 10, 20, 30, you know, like beyond. And I have stuff that I can pass down. Like you can pass a nonprofit down to your kids. Like you can pass this stuff down. It doesn't end. Like, so it's like we're, we may have not built something from, like you said, like Elon Musk style, but it's like the knowledge and everything we gained from all these failures is worth its weight in gold, in my opinion. 
Absolutely. And that's not the point of this podcast, you know? So the, the point of this podcast is to really hone in on the actual journey <laughs> of the businesses. You know, this is the journey of Brandon Stevens. You know, this is the journey of Chris Pastrana and every guest coming on after this. So whether I walk out the door tomorrow and never make a dime and go back to industrial America or whatever, we'll get to that point. Eventually that's everyone's journey. And that's the point of this podcast, not just highlighting, you know, the billionaires and, you know, the multi multimillionaires who have built, built and accomplished something. We're respecting the journey and the hustle and the grind to get there. Absolutely. Cool. So tell everyone how to reach out to you, how to get you and how to learn more about you. All right. So if you want to reach out to me, you can always email me at Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N at buildbackamerica.org. It's, you know, sounds just like you would spell it. Um, so Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N at buildbackamerica.org. Or you can follow me. Uh, my username on all social media is Life of Cody um, and Life. So L-I-F-E. O-F, and Cody is C-O-T-Y-Y. We have it strategically spelled like that because my middle name is Cody. And uh, I used to be obsessed with Gary V. And Gary V, you had V-E-E. So I put my stuff as Y-Y at the end instead. So it's Life of Cody on all social media. Um, you put that in at Life of Cody, you'll be able to find me. And I, I'm very open and talk to people. So you can always reach out to me. I just had a conversation the other day with a gentleman who uh, didn't even realize he had ADHD, but heard me talk about something like this and he was questioning it. So I spent like an hour and a half talking to him through it. And it completely, you know, like got, got him on the trajectory he wanted to go just by teaching him about my failures and that one personality trait inside my mind and stuff. So you can talk to me about any of that stuff. I don't hide back. I don't hide anything. Um, I'm fairly open. So uh, you can reach out to me that way. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for being guest number one. And uh, I look forward to, you know, having you back on the podcast later on to see where you've come in the next year. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Chris. I'm excited for this podcast as well. I'm excited to see where you bring it. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Thank you all for watching and uh, more to come. Stick to uh, stay tuned. Stick tuned. What the heck is wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs>